morning. My name is Ron Basler. I uh, was here last Sunday with you, and I will be providing pastoral care for PPC uh, during the uh, sabbatical of Pastor Tobin. And I will have the opportunity to speak with you uh, some Sundays, and you will be also hearing other voices in the weeks ahead. I invite you to enter this message time. Join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A few weeks ago, my wife Lynn was walking with our dog, Sweetie, and Sweetie sniffed at something in the grass and uh, started chewing on it. Lynn grabbed it out of her mouth, and it was a wad of three $50 bills. Whoa! Exciting. We all get a thrill out of finding something precious. Now, the dictionary word for a collection of precious things is treasure. And who doesn't like finding treasure? One of my favorite books when I was growing up was Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, a pirate story. Arg! Eh? Treasure maps, buried treasure, lots of fun. I have here a little ceramic treasure box that I made for my grandson, Jules. He's almost four, and this little box is stocked with little boy treasures. Got a little piece of foam rubber he found uh, the other day. And of course, uh, a sangria señorial bottle cap. He just found the cap, by the way, nothing else. And a little bouncy ball, some rocks. Our ideas of treasure, they may change as we grow. But we still like the idea of finding treasure. What precious things do you consider to be your treasure? Today, Jesus uses treasure talk to help us understand ourselves and see some things about God's kingdom. Two short verses today, and I invite you to join me as we read those. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Well, before we begin... Let me remind you that like a good Jewish man, Matthew, the writer of our our reading for today, he avoids using the name God. He substitutes heaven for God. So kingdom of heaven quite literally means kingdom of God, God's rule, God's realm, or if we were going to put it in today's terms, God's administration. What is God's administration like? Well, we have two small stories, and each one has a a unique slant. The first story, quite simple, man is out in the field, could be a farm worker, a day laborer. At any rate, I think, I imagine his hoe hits something hard, and he digs a bit, and whoa, it's a treasure. Now, what is it? Is it a box full of coins? Is it a gold nugget? We don't know. Anyway, he goes home sells everything he owns, and buys the field, and now he possesses the treasure. So what is Jesus telling us here about God's realm, about God's rule? 
about how God works in our social reality. Well, one thing it seems to me that Jesus is telling us today is that sometimes the kingdom comes out of the blue and changes everything. Joshua is our oldest son. After he graduated from college, he spent 10 years as part of an a cappella guys group, a quartet, traveling around the country, singing, making CDs, doing concerts. Well, when the group finally called it quits after 10 years, he got a job with a video game company and worked on his own music career. And he was still single, and he was in his late 30s. And I remember sending him a letter good old dad, sending him a letter simply reminding him that my life had been so enriched by marriage and I hoped that he wouldn't discount that possibility. Hint, hint. Well, he wasn't upset by my letter, but he did say, Dad, you know, I appreciate your advice, but I envision myself as a penniless artist all my life and not ever in a position to support a family. I thought, oh well, I tried. Then out of the blue, a friend of his encouraged him to contact a young female pastor who had just moved into the area, and as they say, the rest is history. They got married five years ago, they now have two little boys, and they're living in Long Beach. Now Josh was okay with his life, he thought he was doing fine, and then whoa, he was surprised by unexpected wonderful joy. I'd like to ask you, think about this. How long have you been a Christian? I jokingly say I was a Christian before I was born. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. My grandfather and three uncles were pastors. So in one sense, I've always been a Christian. And I know that some of you have been long-time, maybe lifelong Christians. I believe that this story can speak to us in a special way. Here we are, settled Christians, we have the Christian routine down, worship, fellowship, taking the off, giving the offering, a tithing, once in a while maybe a Bible study group or a mission trip. We're safe, secure Christians, we're nice people, we're nice Christians. Then one day, one moment, boom, something happens and we see life, we see Christian faith, we see God's grace as a shimmering, awesome, amazing gift precious beyond words treasure. One of those moments in my life came when I stood beside my wife in the delivery room and witnessed the birth of my first son, that very Joshua. To begin, I marveled at the strength of my wife. God had allowed me, little old me, to be a parent. Now I was older, so I could have preached a sermon on God's grace. But now as I stood there, I was struck by the wonder of God's grace. What a treasure! I was overwhelmed with joy at God's love made real in my life, in and through this, this tiny child. Where and when in your life have you been struck out of the blue by the amazing treasure of God's graceful work? Some of you I know, you share those sorts of treasure experiences. Today, this week, I invite you to remember those moments and thank God for them. And 
I also know that some of you, some of you here, a few of you who are here, and those of you out there, you've experienced the treasure of God's grace in the dark opposite of a joyful experience. My dad battled a brain tumor for almost 10 years. Surgery, radiation, surgery, and toward the end of his life, he lost the ability to speak and even to think. One day, my mom said to me, you know, I feel so sad. Dad can't even hold on to Jesus anymore. I thought about that, and I said, well, you're right, Mom. Now Jesus will have to do all the holding. Jesus will hold on to Dad. And truly, in the midst of that darkness, Jesus held on to my mom, too. She felt the comfort and the presence of God's never-ending grace, and it helped her make it through the toughest of times. Now, I know that some of you can relate to that experience as well. You were carrying on, living your ordinary, safe, secure Christian life. Then, boom, disaster. Your business failed. A loved one suddenly was struck down with cancer. A child was killed in an accident. And you felt yourself falling, falling, falling. But somehow, somewhere in that dark night, God's grace caught you and held you and carried you. And the brothers and sisters of the faith, maybe they became channels of God's love for you. And you experienced the treasure of God's loving realm in a way that you would never have imagined. So where and when, in the times of deep darkness, have you experienced the treasure of God's rule? Today I want you to remember those moments. And this week I want you to thank God for the surprising support of God's grace. So from our first little story, we learn these things. The true power of God's kingdom is often hidden from us. It's not obvious all the time. It comes upon us. It surprises us, shocks us, fills us with awe, and sets our hearts a-thumping. And when we stumble on that amazing gift, or when that gift tumbles unexpectedly into our life, it changes us. It changes the way we look at ourselves. It changes the way we look at our lives. It changes the way we look at our world. All our values shift. In the story that Jesus tells, the man goes home, sells all his possessions, empties his bank account, liquidates all his stocks, cashes in all his bonds, just so he can get his hands on that treasure. His life is turned upside down. I think about my son Joshua. He could never have imagined himself married or as a father, and boom, until he met Kindley. Then boom, everything changed. Priorities changed, values changed. Investments changed, future changed. Friends, God's precious treasure is radical. God's kingdom, God's rule is radical. Radical comes from the word root. And God's kingdom goes to the root of this world's reality. God's kingdom goes to the root of our longings, our yearnings, our values. God's kingdom turns lives upside down or at least it wants to. At least it wants to. And that brings us to the second story. Let me just repeat it. It's so short. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. 
When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now this story is a little different. Here is someone who is looking, seeking, searching. Now how are you and I like that person? Let's think about that for a moment. One of my favorite musical groups, and I know it's one of Pastor Tobin's favorites too, is the group from Ireland, U2. U2. Not YouTube, U2. Huh? And if, I, if I'd have been smart, I'd have had the band play that song this morning. Their first, one of their first songs, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. This is how the song ends. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame, of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, is the singer a Christian? Sure sounds like it. I believe in the kingdom come. You broke the bonds, loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it. Now that sounds like a Christian declaration to me. And yet, and yet he finished the song with these haunting words. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Can you identify with those words? Can you be a Christian and still not find what you're looking for? Why might that be? When I first came to California in 1998 and began my work as a pastor in Orange County, one of the terms I learned was seeker. We were told that some people at worship were members and some people were seekers. The implication was that some people were settled in their faith and some were still looking, searching, seeking. Is that how it is? Some are settled and some are seekers? Well, I don't know about you. But I'm convinced that as long as I'm on this earth, I will always be both a Christian and a seeker. How about you? Yes, I've found life and hope in Christ's church. And yes, my faith has been nurtured by the example of my brothers and sisters in the faith. And yes, I've pledged my allegiance to Christ's kingdom and I've been fed by Christ's meal and found strength to move forward. Yes, I want to follow Christ's way. And yet, as you two sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Not completely, not totally. Let me explain why. Later on, we're going to be singing a song. It's about acceptance. And you've heard this term. God accepts you and loves you just where you are. God accepts you just where you are. Sins and all, warts and all. And that is true. It's so true. But here's another truth. God doesn't leave you where God finds you. God's Spirit keeps tugging at you, molding you, shaping you. Now, the church calls that process sanctification. That's just a fancy theological word. It simply means God keeps working on you to bring you more in line with God's will. About 15 years ago, when I was a pastor in Yorba Linda, 
we conducted an eight-week class for seekers on the, on the basics of Christian faith. And at the end of those eight weeks, one man said this, Well, I've been standing on the edge of this Christian pool all my life. I've decided to jump in. Well, we celebrated his decision. And he was baptized. And he was received into the congregation with applause. I thought about that image this week and I wondered about myself. I wondered about all of us safe, secure, nice Christians. After all these years as Christians, are we still dog paddling in the shallow end of the pool? Or have we struck out for the deep water? How many of us cling to the edge of the, the side of the pool huh? instead of boldly diving in? How many of us resist Jesus' call to follow him into this messy, unjust, aching world? Or to go back to the image that Jesus uses, how many of us pearl merchants settle for the nice domestic cultured pearls and hold back from that total radical life-altering encounter with a priceless pearl that would turn our lives upside down. Maybe we still haven't found what we're looking for because we're not willing to pay the price. The price of discipleship. Now this precious treasure, this place in God's realm, in God's kingdom, what did it cost Jesus? Well, you know, it cost Jesus his life. Jesus gave up his body, poured out his blood so that you and I might have a place in God's kingdom now and forever. So it cost Jesus his life. What does it cost us? Now here, here friends, is the paradox. And I wrestled with this all week, but I think it's true. Here is the beauty and the scary truth. The loving rule of God costs you nothing. It comes to you as a gift like a wonderful, marvelous treasure, your place in the kingdom, it's yours. That's God's grace. And at the same time, the loving rule of God will cost you everything. It seeks to turn your values upside down, turn your heart inside out, turn your life into a new creation. Lent is the time for self-examination. So let me ask you this, is your life in 100% alignment with God's will? Are your priorities in perfect agreement with God's priorities? Are you perfectly obedient to the work of the Spirit in your life? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm guessing most of you are like me. That old Adam, that old Eve, inside resists God's work in our lives. We say yes to God's will, and we turn away and kind of mumble and say, well, I don't know, not completely. Or we say, yes, Lord, but... Yes, Lord, but first let me... Yes, Lord, but not there. Martin Luther, one of my spiritual heroes, said this. We are not yet what we shall be but we're growing toward it the process is not yet finished but it's going on this this is not the end but it is the road 
All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. So, friends, the fact is, in this life, in this life, we are never settled Christians, never done becoming Christians. That's why we keep seeking. But friends, the good news for today is this. Never fear. God will not stop working with us stubborn people. This week, let's say thank you to this God who finds us, who accepts us right where we are, but then continues to move us, to mold us, and change us into the people we were created to be. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your word reminds us once again that we are accepted. The treasure comes to us as a precious gift. Your word reminds us also, O God, that we are still on the way, that you are still at work in us, molding, shaping, recreating. O God, may our hearts remain open to your work, even as we rejoice at our place in your kingdom. May it be so, O God. May it be so. Amen.